it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast, And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, you guys. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 233. Holy wow, wow. I know. That's a lot of episodes. Show is. And that's not even all of our episodes. That's just all the episodes out here for free. Then you mm-hmm. got all the hundreds of Patreon episodes where you get bonus cases Episode-by-episode coverage of docu-series. And guess what? All ad-free. Even even the main feed cases. All ad-free. Yep. You want to hear this one ad-free? You don't want to hear those ads? Go join Patreon. Never a better choice you could make. Oh. And that's me being totally unbiased. It's just I I did a survey of a million people, and they all said you couldn't make a better choice. So that's just science. (laughs) Nine out of ten doctors have said that oh, you recommended a better yeah. choice. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, Dennis too, actually. Sure. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. If you want this one episode free, nope, ad free, not episode free. You, nope. you want the episode that episode is still there. Yeah, uh, Patreon.com/slash/KillerQueensPod. Yes. All right. But as as you know, um, <laughs> this is the murders of Nancy and Joey Bokikio. And we would like to thank Rachel for requesting it. Yes, thank you. And thank you to Madison for writing it up. Thank you. And we do have some trigger warnings. We've got murder, child murder, and abduction. Yes, and here is an overview of the case. On Wednesday, December 12, 2007, 47-year-old Nancy and her 7-year-old daughter, Joey Bokikio, left the Boca Raton Town Center Mall after doing some Christmas shopping. Surveillance video showed the two girls leaving the mall with everything appearing to be normal. However, several hours later, Nancy's SUV was spotted in a back parking lot of the mall still running after the mall had closed. Inside, police found Nancy and Joey bound and executed. The investigation that followed revealed that these two murders may not have been random at all, that they could have been another attack committed by a still unknown serial killer. Mm. Rough. And very scary. Really rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, we're safe. No, exactly. Nancy Joanne Bokikio was born on August 21st, 1960 in the Bronx, New York, known to her friends and family as, how did, how do you say this? I was going to say Titsy. That's kind of what I thought too. And I thought, that's interesting. I've just never heard a nickname like that. Um, mm-hmm. She was described as tough on the outside, but with a kind heart. Her sister, Joanne, said that growing up in the city made her sister street smart. And she even told a story about a purse snatcher once trying to grab Nancy's bag off her shoulder. And instead of just letting the purse go, she bit her attacker's hand. She was not scared. No, feisty. Mm-hmm. She spent much of her free time doing charity work as a child advocate. And friends described her as a, quote, good spirit who would help anyone and always saw the best in a person. She loved gardening and was part of a very tight-knit Italian family. Um, Nancy was a stock analyst who was running her own business and was a very hard worker. In the 1990s, Nancy followed some of her co-workers when they relocated down south to Florida. She and her boyfriend, Philip Hauser, moved to Boca Raton, Florida at that time. In 1999, Nancy turned 39 years old and found out that she was pregnant. She gave birth to her daughter, Joey, I guess, Noel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joey Noel Bokikio Hauser. 
Not long after, Nancy married her boyfriend and Joey's father, Philip. And unfortunately, this just did not work out. Uh, They ended up getting separated three years later. Regardless, Nancy and her daughter, Joey, were best friends and inseparable. Joey was described as outgoing, generous, and bubbly. She was very well-spoken, and she was very mature for her age as well. She was nice to everybody, whether she knew them or not. She took lessons in ballet and golf. She loved practicing cheers and singing karaoke. And unlike most other children, Joey would literally just about try any food. She liked eating clams, oysters, mussels. I know some adults that won't aren't that adventurous, so. Me. <laughs> I, wasn't I don't gonna, need any of that shit. I was going to point the finger, <laughs> but. Yeah. Like, wow. I certainly wouldn't have tried that as a child, and I won't even do it as an adult. Yeah. Her favorite colors were pink and purple, and she was growing her brown hair long so she could donate it to Locks of Love. That's precious. Mm-hmm. Nancy worked hard so she could afford the tuition to send Joey to the private school, St. Jude Catholic School in Boca Raton. After separating from Joey's father, Nancy didn't really date. She was worried about having a man in the house around Joey, and her number one priority was her daughter. In the local newspaper, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, an article written after Joey and Nancy's death perfectly summed up their mother-daughter relationship. Quote, Perhaps it was because Nancy Bocchicchio had her only child late in life, or maybe it was because she was the single mom that built her life around Joey. She clung to her daughter, brought her everywhere she went, spent so much time with her that their two personalities virtually blended into one. Joey Seven was mild-mannered yet outgoing. She was mature beyond her years. Joey was Nancy. That was her mold, said Timmy McCurdy, a family friend. They weren't even like mother and daughter. They were sisters. Mm. So sad. It is so sad. On Wednesday, December 12, 2007, 47-year-old Nancy picked up 7-year-old Joey early from school. Joey had a doctor's appointment that afternoon, and they had plans to meet with a schoolmate of Joey's and her friend later that night so the kids could go over their lines for a Christmas play, and Joey was actually uh, cast as a reindeer in that play. After Joey's doctor's appointment, the girls went to the nearby mall, which was the town center mall in Boca, to do some Christmas shopping. Surveillance videos show that they entered the mall through an entrance between Sears and Neiman Marcus uh, at approximately 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The pair is seen leaving through the same entrance just after 3. At 3.14 p.m., 911 dispatchers received a call from Nancy's cell phone, but it hung up immediately. The dispatcher called her cell phone back within a minute, but there was no answer. Later that evening, the mall closed down as usual at 10 p.m. Just before midnight, a mall security officer noticed a black 2007 Chrysler Aspen SUV parked near the south side of the parking lot by Sears. The vehicle was still running, like we said, and he thought that it was suspicious, so he called in the Boca Raton Police Department's non-emergency line to request an officer to come check the vehicle out. When the officer arrived, he found a horrific scene. Nancy and Joey had both been bound with duct tape and plastic zip ties, and they appeared to have been shot in the head at point-blank range. Nancy had athletic goggles that were blacked out covering her eyes, and there was a zip tie around Nancy's neck, binding her to the headrest. The mother and daughter were dead in the backseat of the vehicle, described by some on scene as looking like they'd been executed. The community was, of course, absolutely stunned. I mean, who would kill an innocent woman? Who would kill her seven-year-old daughter? And friends and family of Nancy and Joey could not understand what happened to them. How had the mother and daughter been brutally murdered in broad daylight without anyone noticing for almost eight hours? Investigations into the movements of Nancy and Joey on the day of their murders gave police security footage of them walking into the mall and out of the mall. They saw no evidence to suggest that anyone was following them, and nobody was seen approaching them as they left the mall. But there is not surveillance video in the parking lot. Mm. And it's just like, you just wish there was. There are a lot of things that I wish had surveillance video in this case. Yes, yes. And especially considering, we'll get into it, this is not the first attack at this mall. (sighs) Guys, let's get a fucking security camera up out there. Or up security. I mean, do something. Let's do something. Do something, yeah. Some of Nancy's belongings were missing from her vehicle, including her credit cards and a cell phone. Police tracked Nancy's credit card activity and found that she'd made a large withdrawal from an ATM near the mall on the day of the murders. Surveillance video at the drive-thru ATM showed Nancy's SUV pulling through. 
She withdrew $500 and pulled away. Those who saw the video said that there appeared to be people in the back seat of the SUV. Police were able to determine that right after Nancy withdrew the money from the ATM, her SUV was parked back in the mall lot with the engine running. And everything else that happened is still unknown. Police located Nancy's cell phone and credit cards in Miami shortly after the murders. It was less than an hour away from Boca Raton. Two homeless men had reportedly found Nancy's purse and had used one of her credit cards. Uh, Police questioned both men but quickly cleared them of any involvement. Investigators also determined that the duct tape and zip ties that were used to bind Nancy and Joey were likely bought from a chain store in Miami. They did not elaborate as to how they determined this. The murders were a huge news story, not just in Florida, but around the country. The community was completely stunned that something like this could have happened in such an upscale area in the middle of the day. (laughs) In the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. like I mean, this is a bold crime. mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very long after the murders that investigators started connecting them to not just one, but two. Two recent incidents at this same mall. Mm-hmm. Randy Gorenberg was born in 1955 in Brooklyn, New York, and she was married in 1979 to a chiropractor named Stuart, Go- Stuart Gorenberg. Shortly after marrying, Stuart decided to move his practice south to Boca Raton, Florida. In the following years, Randy gave birth to a son, Daniel, and a daughter, Sari. Sorry? I don't know. I read it as sorry, and I'm, I'm just not sure. Sorry. I'm just going to go with sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know which is the right way to pronounce that, and I want to get it right for sure. The family lived in an upscale community in Boca, and Randy was known as someone who would do anything for her children. She often volunteered in the community and at her kids' schools. Randy's best friend was her mother, Idy. After Idy's husband passed away, she moved to Florida to be closer to her daughters and grandchildren, or to her daughter and grandchildren. She described her daughter as down-to-earth and very loving. On March 23rd, 2007, almost nine months before the Bokikio murders, 52-year-old Randy went shopping at the Town Center Mall in Boca Raton around noon. She bought some new shorts at Old Navy and a copy of John Legend's CD. And surveillance video showed Randy leaving the mall through the same entrance that Nancy and Joey walked out of in December. Less than an hour later, just before 2 p.m., people sitting in government or Governor Lawton Childs Memorial Park? Sure. about five miles away from Boca Raton, heard gunshots. They looked up to see a dark Mercedes SUV. A woman was pushed out of the SUV and the vehicle sped off. Just 39 minutes after the surveillance video captured Randy leaving the mall, a 911 call was made. The caller told 911 that a female got shot and that he'd seen her fall out of the passenger seat of a black SUV, um, which was a Mercedes near the park. The dispatcher asked if the victim was moving, and the caller said that she was dead and that she had two gunshot uh, gunshot wounds in her head. The woman was Randy Gorenberg, and she was dead from a gunshot wound. I'm assuming they found this person that called it in and cleared them. If they just saw her get pushed out of a vehicle, like, I don't know, were they right up on her when they made the call? Could. I could be. I don't know. She had two gunshot wounds in her head. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, th- maybe they heard the two shots and yeah, maybe. saw blood. I don't, I really don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that they found this person and questioned them, but. Oh, yeah, I, I would, I would really hope so. A few minutes later, surveillance video at a nearby Home Depot showed Randy's SUV entering the parking lot, followed closely by a white Chrysler sedan. The SUV was later found abandoned in the back of the Home Depot parking lot, and nobody had seen anyone in or around the SUV in the parking lot. There was a bullet casing found in the vehicle, but Randy's shoes, purse, and cell phone were all missing. But the weird thing was her Cartier bracelet, or watch, excuse me, diamond ring, and expensive necklace were still on her. Yeah. So I would not say that this was a robbery gone wrong, Yeah, it doesn't feel like that. And apparently she didn't have an ATM card. Mm -hmm. Which we'll get to a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, what were they getting out of this? Yeah, exactly. Like if she didn't have that, then you think they would have stolen those things to at least pawn or something. A Cartier watch, a diamond ring, and I'm guessing a diamond or a very expensive gold, you know, precious metal necklace. Like, come on. Yeah. 
Initial investigations focused on Randy's husband and son, but there were no evidence connecting either of them to the murder, just the investigators' gut feelings, which is not evidence. I'm just going to say that. It's not evidence. But when the sheriff's deputies initially went to Randy's home to inform them of what happened, they were struck by Randy's son's behavior, and they said that Daniel gave them an alibi that didn't check out. They also said that Daniel also gave them the wrong clothing when they requested the clothes that he'd been wearing that day. When detectives informed Mr. Gorenberg about his wife's murder, they felt his reaction didn't make sense to what they expected from a murder victim's husband. I'm so sick of people being like, well, he didn't react the right way. Because Mm -hmm. that, again, is not evidence that somebody committed a crime. People react differently. You cannot, if somebody's got their sights on you, you cannot react in a way that will make sense or be good enough for law enforcement. It just is what it is. Well, right. And I mean, even if you just think about like, you and I have talked about this before. Like if I have to open a present from somebody in front of people, Mm -hmm. I am so nervous about it and I'm so uncomfortable that I almost just act like I don't care about the present. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, because I just, I don't know. I'm just, it's nerve wracking to me. And it like, well, when all eyes are on you and you feel uncomfortable and in a situation like this, if you're in shock or if you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if something as small as that is like, Mm -hmm. you know, then of course, like people just react differently. You know, you just, you cannot use that as, as your only sign or evidence. Not at all. And shortly after Mr. Gorenberg hired a lawyer for him and his son, and I'm sure law enforcement was like, see, he's guilty. He hired a lawyer. But mm-hmm. we've said it once. We'll say it a thousand times. Hire the lawyer. Do not yes. ever <laughs> always get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But Randy's mother and her daughter, Sari, held a news conference pleading for any information about Randy's murder. And ultimately, police were unable to find anything that connected Randy's husband or son to her murder. Police received a tip from a jailhouse informant, and he said that he overheard gang members talking and taking credit for Randy's murder. The informant said that the gunman was named Michael Barrera, Barrera, a fugitive who had moved between South Florida and Mexico, and one of his relatives reportedly owned a white Chrysler that closely matched the vehicle that looked to be following Randy's SUV into the Home Depot parking lot the day of a murder. Investigators have been unable to connect Barrera to Randy's murder, though. On August 7th, 2007, about five months after Randy Gorenberg's murder, the Town Center Mall in Boca Raton became the site of yet another abduction. Uh, this this mall, I cannot believe how many people have been viciously attacked, abducted, murdered. You know, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on. This is just insanity. Yeah. Um, a young woman known only as Jane Doe to, you know, due to her fear of being targeted by this attacker again, and her two-year-old son left the mall around 1 p.m., exiting through the Nordstrom's exit. She put her son in his car seat in the back seat of her black SUV, then shut the door and walked to the trunk. So she pops the trunk, folds up the stroller, puts it inside, and then she shuts the hatch. As she walked towards the driver's seat, She heard her son say, mama, mama, in a voice that she described as like scared or worried. So she looked at the back seat and saw that there was a man sitting in the back seat next to her son. No way. No way, man. Oh my God. She stood there in complete shock as the man told her to get into the car. She didn't move. So the man repeated his command. The woman then noticed that the man was holding a gun and pointing it at her son. Now, I don't think that this should have to be said, and I'm sure everybody Maybe it doesn't even doesn't even matter, and maybe everybody's already here. But no one should have to go to if you want to go to the mall and you want to do it with your child. You should be able to put away all of your possessions in the back seat or the trunk of your car and mm-hmm. get into your car and leave without any incident. You should never have to worry about somebody who has been watching you, stalking you, whatever, because you're a good vulnerable victim because you're not, you know what I mean? Like you unlock the car to put your son in first because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. And somebody's like, oh, that's a good opportunity. Fuck off with that. I know. And it's so scary because especially if you've got a child 
that's what you have to do. Like, Mm -hmm. there's going to be time in between. And like most people, if you have an SUV, if you go shopping or something, most people, especially if you have a stroller, you've got to put it in the back. But even if I just am getting stuff and, you know, I don't have, I don't do strollers anymore. My kids are big. Like, you're going to open the the trunk and put your stuff in there. Yeah, bags or whatever. If you bought anything, sure. Yeah. So like, but that is, you know, like you said, it shouldn't be, but it is opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just really scary because what are you supposed to do? Yeah. that's There's literally no other way around that. Right. And for somebody to look at you in that moment and be like, ooh, they're vulnerable. I'm going to take this mm-hmm. opportunity to do something. That is mm-hmm. heinous. Yeah. It makes people like a gazelle who's limping. Mm-hmm. You know, like ideal prey. It just makes me so, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Yep. Jane got into the driver's seat and the man instructed her to leave the mall parking lot and find a drive through ATM. So she goes to the ATM and the abductor tells her to withdraw 200 and then another 200 and then another until she reached 800. And then the um, ATM denied her because she reached her limit. The man told Jane, just do what I say and I'll take you back to the mall. He instructed her to pull back into traffic. Her son ended up asleep in his car seat, which is incredible, unaware of the danger that he and his mother were in. He must have been speaking very, very calmly, the the man. Yes, yeah. And she must have kept her cool completely for her son to be comfortable enough to fall asleep, I think, yeah. Jane said she considered crashing her car or doing something to get somebody's attention, but everything came back to her son. If she did something that he didn't like, he could hurt her son. And this, this is the ultimate way to control somebody, I feel like. Mm-hmm. He's got a gun so he can control you, you know? If this situation happens and I'm by myself at the mall and somebody pulls a gun on me, I'm going to do what they say. But you've got a gun on my child, You know, when it's just you, you might think, well, you know, I I can try to run here or, yeah, yeah. you're not going to take that chance with your child. And that's just another layer, an added layer, which is, again, especially heinous for this person to use somebody with a child because he knows that he's going to have even more control. Mm Mm-hmm. The man instructed Jane to pull into the back parking lot of a Hilton hotel, park the vehicle, and get out. Jane said she begged the man not to kill her as she got out of the vehicle. And she said that he said, I'm not going to. I don't need any more problems than I already have or any more trouble than I'm already in or something like that. So he made her swap places with him. She gets in the back seat with her son and he's driving now. Before he took his place behind the wheel, the man handcuffed Jane's wrist behind her back, zip tied her ankles together, and then zip tied her neck to the headrest. Who does that sound like? Right. The man pulled out a pair of sunglasses with duct tape over the lenses and put them over Jane's eyes so that she was essentially blindfolded. Jane was panicking, and the zip tie around her neck and the headrest was making things even worse. And she felt like she was choking, she was gagging, she was crying, and he actually ended up loosening the zip tie and asked her if that was better. That's insane to me. But, I mean, thank God he did, because can you imagine, like, you're already freaking out and then having to have— if even if you're not claustrophobic and you don't right. enjoy something tight, you know, some people like Torella, you don't like, you will not wear a turtleneck. You don't like a scarf around your neck. Whenever I do your mm-hmm. hair, you don't like it to be too tight around your neck. Like mm-hmm. even just that, I mean, if you're freaking out, it's going to feel like everything is so much worse. It's just, I can't, I can't imagine. No, and not at all. And like, even though he loosened it some, it was still very uncomfortable for her. So she sees him pull out a knife and she's freaking out. And she's like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And he's like, no, I'm not going to kill you, but you need to hold still. And so he actually ended up cutting the zip tie from around her neck. And again, it's just a very strange thing Mm -hmm. to do. She also said that it seemed like he didn't really know where he was going. He ended up on the Florida Turnpike, which was a toll road. And obviously, he's not going to want to go through a toll. He's abducting somebody. So he makes a U-turn. And when he did, her son's bottle fell to the floor and rolled underneath the driver's seat. 
And so her son started crying, and he actually reached under the seat, grabbed the bottle, and handed it to her son. And she said he just drove around for like two hours while she's bound and her eyes are covered. And when he finally stopped, he took the sunglasses off of her, and she realized they're back at the mall. And Jane said that the man told her that he was going to put the zip tie back around her neck, and he was going to let her call somebody. He told her that whoever you call, you are going to tell this person that your vehicle was broken down and you just need help. Like, they just need to come get you. And she's like, can I use my cell phone? I want to call my son's father. And he dialed the phone. Um, Jane told him, my vehicle is broken down. And when asked later by an interviewer, Jane said that the man seemed to become nicer at this point, like kind of like he was a different person. So the man hung the phone up and told her what to tell the police when they came. He wanted Jane to tell them that he was, quote, short, fat, and black. He added that if he saw anything on the news with his face or his description, he would come after her. And he tells her, like, I know who you are. And I don't know if that's he looked at her driver's license, he got her license plate, but like— Or just to scare her. Yes, he's telling her, I'm going to come after you. I mean, I would be absolutely terrified if I were her. I would need some new drawers for sure. Oh, yeah. So he takes the sunglasses off of her and he replaces them with blacked out goggles. And then he was gone. So Jane immediately started trying to free herself from the restraints. Her hands are still handcuffed behind her back. So um, she was eventually able to pull her hands down past her butt and then slip her hands over her feet. So she's still cuffed, but at least now it's in front of her. She pulled the goggles from her eyes and pushed a button on the headrest to remove it from the seat. She jumped into the driver's seat and drove to the mall's valet stand. And she told the valet that she'd been kidnapped and asked them to call the police. So the Boca Raton police arrived on scene and Jane told him what happened. And she described the man as having been wearing a floppy like fishing hat and wrap around sunglasses. She thought he was Caucasian approximately 20 years old and about six feet tall. And she said that it seemed like the police didn't believe her story. Jane said that the officers looked at the bindings on her and didn't believe that she could have escaped the way that she said she did. Okay. Are we being serious here or what? I don't. Ser- okay. Mm-hmm. Where do police get off being like, you're lying? I can tell. Yeah. Like, <sighs> oh my gosh. Additionally, Jane's SunPass, which was the electronic device that tracks when a vehicle passes through a toll road, had not recorded her vehicle entering the toll road, as she said that they did on the drive. Police asked Jane to take a lie detector test about the event, and crime scene techs came out to process her vehicle. The Boca Raton police captain, Matthew Duggar, said that the department wanted to make sure that they were confirming all of Jane's information so it could be used as evidence against him. But also, she's got blindfolds on. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, so, I don't know, just... Yeah, why are we just like, she's lying. And all yeah. because they think she couldn't have gotten out of the handcuffs that way or couldn't have moved her arms. Like, people have... Moms have lifted entire vehicles up. Yeah. Because their baby is in danger. Like, don't tell me this is simply not possible. Right. He said that a request for a lie detector test would be just another tool in building a case against the abductor. After reviewing video records from the toll area, police later determined that Jane's vehicle did go through the turnpike. Her son pass just probably malfunctioned. Oh, okay. You were not lying. Okay. Yeah, can um, we get and uh, I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, even with Jane's description of her abductor, authorities were still unable to identify him. The only news coverage that her abduction received was a small paragraph in the newspaper. That's it. That's great. And this is like, people need to be warned about this, that this is occurring. Right. Because they didn't catch him. It was referenced as an alleged armed robbery. And let's just say... Let's say that Nancy and Nancy, I don't think Joey would have been reading the newspaper, but let's just say, or watching the news, you know, whatever. If Nancy had been watching the news and it had gotten the coverage that Nancy and Joey got, Mm -hmm. would she have gone to the mall? Right. Maybe she wouldn't have. Maybe Mm -hmm. she would have, you know. Maybe she wouldn't have gone alone. Like like her and Joey. Maybe she would have, yeah, brought somebody with her. Maybe she would have gotten a concealed 
and Carrie or, you know, like maybe she would have gotten pepper yeah. spray. Maybe she would. Yeah. Maybe she would have had somebody sitting in the vehicle with the doors locked until she went to get in after putting away whatever she was putting away. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not giving this case any coverage is not doing anybody any favors. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But, you know, what the freak do I know? What the frick? Police did not initially believe that Randy Gorenberg's murder was related to Jane Doe's abduction or Nancy and Joey's murders. Why? 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 Prior to Nancy and Joey's murders, police were trying to determine whether Randy's murder was at all connected to Jane's abduction. They had similarities, but were difficult to, or that were difficult to ignore. So they had been abducted from the same location in the middle of the day. Both good-looking women driving dark SUVs and both were clearly coerced with a gun. But... Why was Randy killed while Jane Doe and her son were brought back to the mall parking lot virtually unharmed? There was no evidence that Randy had been restrained or had her eyes covered like Jane Doe had, and it appeared that the motive for Jane Doe's abduction was robbery, but with Randy getting cash from an ATM would have been out of the question because, like Torella said, she didn't carry an ATM card. So was Randy murdered simply because she couldn't withdraw cash? Some investigators believe that Randy was shot because she was trying to exit the vehicle as they drove by the park, which is why she was pushed out of the vehicle. And like we said earlier, if she didn't have her her children with her, so maybe she thought she could chance it, you know? Exactly. She might have been a little bit more willing to fight back. Mm Mm-hmm. Captain Matthew Duggan of the Boca Raton Police Department said that there was no doubt in his mind that the same man who'd abducted Jane Doe and her son had killed Nancy and Joey. With the discovery of Nancy and Joey, investigators really only had one witness who could help them, and that was Jane Doe. So they re-interviewed her, where she gave them the same description she'd given them initially of her abductor. And she said that the man didn't have an accent, didn't really have any distinctive features. He was someone that you wouldn't really give a second thought of in a crowd. And she said that he was carrying a plastic bag from a shoe store by the name of Traffic. Jane said that inside the bag was what was described as a kidnap kit. It included everything he needed to keep his victims under control. Jane helped police refine the sketch of the suspect, and she was able to describe a small ponytail that the man had, as well as more detail um, in the description of the coloring of his skin, like a a golden brown. Mm -hmm. Like, he may have been Hispanic, possibly. Yes, darker skin tone. Mm -hmm. Um, Unlike the first sketch she'd helped create just after her abduction, Jane felt the sketch captured what the man really looked like. After the murders of Nancy and Joey, police learned about yet another incident that could have been related to other abductions. In August, just a few days after Jane and her son were abducted, a man, no, a woman was approached in a parking garage of another upscale shopping area less than 15 minutes from the town center mall. A man with a gun told her to take him to a nearby ATM and the woman refused to get in the vehicle with the man. She threw a purse into the floor of the passenger seat and gave him $200 in cash. Police said that she essentially told the man to go away. The woman refused to file a report, but came forward after hearing about Nancy and Joey's murders. She provided police with a description of the man, which was a very close match to the description of Jane Doe's abductor. I wonder, okay, like, what are the odds that this is a completely different person? I don't know. I feel like this is so similar, and they're very close together. And the description of, of the assailant are similar. So it feels like mm-hmm. it's got to be the same person. But I also think, but no, this one wasn't in, this one wasn't around Christmas. Right? No, but I mean, neither was Yeah, neither Jane was Jane. Because I was going to say, maybe, because Nancy and Joey's was around Christmas. So I was going to say, if it's around Christmas, yeah, maybe so something 12. like this kind of spikes up a little bit because people are wanting to get, I don't know, money for whatever. But So, no. So, I just feel like, what are the odds? Like, Well, yeah. What I was going to say multiple times, but couldn't really get a word in mm, um, mm -hmm, mm edgewise, is the fact that the MO is the same. It doesn't matter where, which park or which mall it is. It's malls. It's Mm -hmm. women shopping alone or with with a child and being abducted. Mm -hmm. Or attempted abduction, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness she didn't get in the car. I know. Brave. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay! It's us. We threw we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF 
where are episodes one through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our, what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. A former FBI profiler, Mark Safarik, theorized that the reason there was such a significant difference in the outcomes of Nancy, Joey, and Randy versus Jane Doe and her son was because of the amount of control he did or did not have. Safarik believed that the abductor may have realized that targeting someone with a small child would make them easier to control, like we said. This makes sense. It seemed like Randy wasn't able to be restrained and attempted to jump out of the vehicle. And Jane Doe and her son, when they were taken, she reported that she was able to remain mostly calm, which may have been why she was left alive. Well, Jane Doe also did a lot of talking to him and like really humanizing her and her son, like talking about how Mm -hmm. that her son was two years old and just talking about, you know, him as a person, talking about them as people, like, But she did also follow instructions. And that is certainly not to say that if you don't follow instructions that something like that is definitely going to happen or that it should. Of course, like none of these people should have been abducted at all. And it's so hard to know what to do because, you know, like the one woman who just didn't even get in the car, like I have heard and read that the best chance you have is to not go anywhere with anybody. If somebody says that you're coming with me, you do whatever you can to get away from them. However, if you are just one person, that is much easier than you and another person getting away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could, it depends. It honestly absolutely depends on who the attacker is because sometimes if you try to humanize yourself or whoever you're with, it makes them more mad. Yeah, they want you to shut up or... Right, yeah. It's just, it's you really just have no idea and that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is terrifying. That's terrifying though. Yeah, it seems like with this guy that the control... Is the motive. Yes, was the main factor because I think that as long as she was complying with what he said and she didn't try anything, that he felt like he was in control. And he, for whatever reason, he actually believed that she was going to tell the police that a short, fat, black man abducted her when she knew full well that wasn't what happened. Like, he thought that's what she was actually going to say. And Mm -hmm. I also think that, I mean, again, like you said, this should have been publicized so much more because once this happened— I I go back to Israel Keys. He let the first person he abducted and sexually assaulted go. After that, you know, because that person reported him, after that, it wasn't, I've learned my lesson, I need to not do this, I could get caught. It was, I don't leave a witness alive anymore. Right. And I think that's what we see with Joey and Nancy. I think also Nancy, there is evidence that she probably did fight back, but I also think that he had that in the back of his mind that like the last time I let somebody go, unfortunately, I feel like even if Nancy had 100% complied, never tried anything, I'm just not sure that he would have let them live. Right. Because he, quote, got burned before. Well, right. And and that's a very, very, very good point. And I also think that that kind of goes back to the conversations that we've had a million billion times with violent crimes. Nobody stops at, because an abduction is a violent crime. If you're using a weapon to get somebody Mm -hmm. to do something that you want them to do, that's violent. Mm -hmm. But nobody tries it and is like, you know what? Not for me. I think I'll quit. Or I'll just keep it here. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody does that. They up the ante. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if his motive really was just getting the debit cards, then you could probably 
just break into people's cars. And I mean, I guess you couldn't get their pin number, but like, or you could still cash from, you know, there's other way, or you could just tell them, you know, give me all your money and give me your ATM number and whatever. And then leave and go do that. yourself. like, you don't have to kill people. You don't have to abduct them while you do it. So there is a level of, I don't think, I think money is a byproduct, but I think he wanted this control and this fear and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. So with Nancy, when she was found, police said that her wrist restraints were broken and that it looked like she had attempted to remove her eye covering. So the amount of control this man was able to maintain in each situation, like we said, could have been a major influence. Mm Mm-hmm. In May of 2008, a man was arrested at a Miami mall uh, after a store clerk called police. The clerk said that the man resembled the stretch. The st- <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I choked on my own laugh because that was the funniest. The stretch? The, the word that I'm going for there is sketch. I don't know why I said stretch. <laughs> And like, oh as God. I was saying it, my, my, my mind was like, bitch, this is wrong. But my body said stretch. So I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. The clerk said that the man resembled the sketch from the town center mall abductions and murders. When mall security arrived, they called the local police to speak to the man. And police said that the man became belligerent and refused to answer questions. According to the police, the man was carrying a hat and sunglasses similar to those described by Jane Doe. The man was ultimately arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. The man was placed in a photo lineup where Jane Doe did not identify him as her abductor. And police felt pretty confident in Jane's negative ID. They knew that she had had the man's face permanently cemented in her brain. I don't know how I feel about that. No, I'm not calling Jane no, a liar at absolutely all. Absolutely not. No. Uh, not. Absolutely not. I would like to know what the other woman at the other shopping mall, mm-hmm. if she came in and possibly identified him. Yeah. Did they ask her? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so they didn't find anything connecting him to the town center mall cases other than he kind of looked like the abductor and he was released. But did they get a search warrant for his house? Did they search his vehicle? Like, what all do you mean we weren't able... Did you... um, And I'm not saying everybody who looks like a sketch of somebody needs to be, you know, brought in. I mean, that's obviously... But they're running on negative leads at this point. So we got to vet everybody. (laughs) Yeah. It could be a possible suspect. And, you know, what did we learn from uh, the Innocence Files on Netflix about eyewitness testimony? It is routinely faulty and not anybody's not anybody's fault. And people don't don't misidentify suspects on purpose, of course. But your brain, like in that one, we learned that because a woman, in this case, a woman incorrectly identified a man as somebody who had raped her. And then he got identified as a serial rapist and he didn't rape anybody. But he went to jail for a very, very, very long time because of this. And she, this woman said, while this attack was happening, I made a point to watch where his head hit on the door frame. So I knew exactly how tall he was. I made a point to like stare at his face and like look at his, um, each of his features, his characteristics, even whether the, the man who attacked her was a black man, whether he had darker or lighter skin, all of those things. And every single one of those things she got wrong in the ID, every single one. Mm-hmm. And it's not because she meant to. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not like she did this on purpose, but it's just human nature. Yeah, it's human nature. This man had a knife, I believe. And what we learned in this episode is that our brains are wired to, if we're in danger, to keep the focus on what the the danger appears to be. The weapon So is. in this yeah. case, she's looking at the weapon. And so it kind of, our brain just blurs everything else out because it's putting its most resources and energy into making sure that I know where that knife is and I know what that knife is doing. So everything around it, even though she thought she was really, really burning his face into her brain, what she was burning into her brain was like just this like blur and her brain was filling in the gaps 
because it wanted to stay on that knife. Now, all of that to say, I'm shocked that she didn't identify him as her abductor because of what we just Exactly, discussed. yeah. Yeah, because then there's that phenomenon where it's like, if you're brought in for a photo lineup, many people just have this like natural inclination to just believe that it's almost like confirmation bias a little bit where you're like, well, they wouldn't bring me in unless they have somebody who did something, so I need to pick somebody out of this lineup. Right. I mean, and good on her for saying... I don't think that's him. And it, you know, right. maybe it wasn't him, but they're All just saying is let's get a second opinion because you have a second yeah. witness. Yeah. And let's really, really thoroughly like check into this. Like just, right. I don't know. There's just so many things that can go wrong in eyewitness identification. Either one correctly, incorrectly identifying somebody, you know, saying this person did it when they've not done anything or the other way around just because you can't really remember. And he also had like, he had apparently a ponytail, mm-hmm. which I don't know if the man that we're talking about here had long hair or not, but we don't know if that if the ponytail was that real or not. You know, that could have been part of a disguise. He had a big floppy hat. Sure. He had wraparound sunglasses on. It'd be easy to have a wig or something to make it look right. like you have long hair when you don't or vice versa. You'd think well, if absolutely. he actually did have a ponytail or long hair that he'd want to keep that hidden. Right, definitely. And I'm not saying to ruin this man's life because sometimes that happens. Exactly. They release, we have a suspect in custody and then they run them out of town, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yeah. to do that. I'm just saying, let's let's dig a little. I don't want to know how deep they dug. That's all I want. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly, exactly. Most believe that the man responsible for the attempted abductions, abductions and murders is a serial killer who is yet to be caught. Some even attribute them to having been committed by serial killer Israel Keys, but this just seems to be the go-to theory on Reddit when people really don't know who to blame. Yeah, everybody's like, it's oh, kind of, Israel Keys did it. Right, I feel like he's become, like, the confession killer. Yeah. Um, there has been no forensic evidence to connect the incidents, but the families of all the victims strongly believe that the increased mall security could have prevented these incidents. Yeah. Jane Doe also believes that more significant police concern and news coverage could have possibly prevented Nancy and Joey's murders. And Joanne, Nancy's sister, totally agrees. She believes, like you said, if her sister had been aware that a woman and her child had been abducted in the middle of the fucking day from that mall that recently, she would not have taken Joey there. She would have made some changes. I mean, the more you know. Yes. Investigators said that there is no way to know if publicizing Jane Doe's abduction would, if they'd done it more, if that would have prevented the murders. I will say that it probably would have prevented... Now, would he have found another victim Mm -hmm. if he was persistent enough and really wanted to go through with this? Probably. Mm -hmm. But you have to do everything you can to... It's your job to make yeah. people aware of what is going on protect in their community. And serve. How do we protect and right. serve? We have to let people know that there's something going on. Like, yeah, there is a danger out there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Especially around the holidays when, like, I, I mean, you know, there's it's like this everywhere. Going to exactly. Go yeah. If you're trying to get anywhere in like cool springs around Christmas, like fucking forget it. It's not gonna happen because everybody's at the mall. The traffic is just absolutely insane. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just you have to let someone know. God, Opry Mills starting in November. I don't even think so. Exactly. You have to let someone know. Can we guarantee that Nancy would have seen the news report? No, we can't guarantee that she would have. But had she seen it, I bet she would have made some changes. Absolutely. The most recent update of the murders and abductions reported that there was an unknown person's DNA found in Randy's SUV. The DNA has not matched anyone in their database. Police also said that her husband, Stuart, has not been totally eliminated as a suspect. There have not been any updates or released progress made in any of these cases. I think if one is not connected, it would be Randy. It seems odd. I mean, I know that she didn't have an ATM card, so it could still very well be connected. And, like, how would he know that until he abducts her, I guess? Right. And then he got pissed that she didn't have one or she tried to run and that's why she got killed. But, and then maybe after that, he decided, I need to find somebody with a child to increase control so that, you know, 
They don't try mm-hmm. to be a hero for themselves or I don't know, but it's just odd that he wouldn't have taken. I mean, maybe he didn't take any of her stuff because it's identifiable, but he took her purse and he took her right like yeah so why wouldn't why would yeah why wouldn't you have taken the watch the ring and you would have pawned that shit yeah that would have been worth more than the 500 bucks that her daily limit would have been right absolutely and all i'm saying about media is now the news is tough for me to watch because it is so doom and gloom and sad Mm -hmm. it's important don't get me wrong very important um and you know some you could say there's a bias and whatever. But instead of focusing on stories like Elon Musk's new Twitter post, maybe let's try putting this on the fucking news. Yeah. That's a thought, right? A little bit. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Agreed. Agreed. So, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Yeah. Well, that's it, guys. That's a It's a rough one. So please be careful you know, out in the world when you're shopping. I'm not real careful. I always have earbuds in. I'm always like, you know. Yeah. Just be careful. But it's it's good to be mindful. Yeah, just just be careful. Um, and, you know, be mindful of your surroundings and um, have, have a good day. Stay safe. Yep. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. Most people believe that the man responsible for the attempt, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm I'll just take that sense again. Most you people believe- are so stupid. I know. I know. I mean, I can't fault you for that. It's true. Illiterate. <laughs> Most people believe that the man responsible for the attempted abductions, abductions, and myrtles, mur- oh my God. God, this is not supposed to be funny. You said Myrtle. Oh my God, I'm crying a little bit. How many great Myrtles were there? I don't know how many Myrtles, and that's the thing. (laughs) Nobody counted them. So, how are we? And nobody knows who's responsible for the Myrtles. (laughs) I. Don't know what is happening. It is 10:55 a.m. Like I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh my god! You want to oh try to take it again, or you want me to just finish it? Because you are. I don't know if I can do the sentence, Tori. I really don't. I'll do this little tiny one. Okay. 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 And then you peck it back up. Okay. Yeah, you said okay. Peck it. And most believe that the man responsible for the. Mm. Mm. Shut up.